Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. This morning, it is um, a small miracle, really, that I'm here. Uh, And the reason that I say that is about 12 years ago, I was at a stage of my life where I made two really clear statements. The first statement was, I will never work for a church again. (laughs) And the second statement I said is, I will never work with my family again. And as you know, I, uh, I work with Marianne, my wife. I also work with my daughter, Courtney. And after a wedding two weeks ago, I now work with my new son-in-law's mum. Uh, and I also now work with my daughter's brother-in-law. <laughs> so God has a way of just changing uh, and renewing and shifting us about. So I find myself here quite by accident in many ways. Well, I actually think, think intentional. And I want to share a story this morning of part of my journey of renewal from where I was when I made those two big statements to, to where I land, um, I land today. New life is all about renewal. The vision and mission of New Life is to lead a movement of renewal in and through the Uniting Church. And I think that's easy enough for us to say and to go, how good is that for New Life? But one of the things that I wanted to share and speak into is that we are all part of that vision and mission. This is not about some corporate entity doing something. Uh, this is a representation, this vision and mission statement is a representation of us as individuals for us to be invited in to see what does renewal mean for us? How do we participate in that process of renewal? And what is God calling of us to do? So this morning I wanted to share a little bit of my story. My hope and prayer is that there is some encouragement in there for you. Um, as to how you might be able to get involved in bringing, bringing renewal. You'll notice my little prop here, and I'll get to speak to that a little bit, but for, for uh, this is really life. Um, this could be a mission field, it could be life, it could be a business, it could be school, it could be work, and it just represents uh, a, a place in which we live and be. And when it comes to renewal, you know, we look at the environment in which we were in, and we think it just doesn't have to be that way. This is just potting mix. But if you think of potting mix, you think of things that are rotting, uh, things that were dead uh, and dying, things that are partly alive and falling apart. And, and we go, you know what, we, we just want to bring new life. We want to bring renewal. So this represents the journey of, of renewal. But we also know that we're living in a world at the moment that is so desperately in need of renewal. You uh, look at the news apps and things that are pouring across our screens and we can tell and see quite easily that homelessness is a significant issue. We've got people sleeping rough across our city like we've never had before. We've got people lining up in New Life Care. We give away 45 to 50 food hampers a month for free for people who are needing that. We've got people who are experiencing domestic and family violence and mental health concerns. There is war, uh, there is conflict, there is rage, there is anger, there is disillusionment, there is disappointment. But there's also the Word of God. And in Mark 1.15 it says, The time has come. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. 
repent and believe the good news. Turn, change, do something different and believe the good news. So my prayer this morning, Father God, through our sharing, we hold with one hand our sense of disillusionment and frustration and disappointment with the way the world is. Father, whether it's our own circumstances, the families that we know or live near, our workplaces, Father, or other countries or other communities. We also hold, on the other hand, Father, the hope that you have placed and given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we long to find a way where we can put those two realities together, where the truth of Jesus speaks into the disillusionment of life and through that we can bring renewal, not just as a corporate entity, Father, but as individuals as we leave here today. Just stir us, Father. Open our eyes. Inspire us to think differently, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've just got some um, photos to share, which is just to give some background of how I put my worldview together. And, um, and, and this, this message this morning really is about a story of renewal. And it's part of, part of my story. And it's, it's about how I moved from loving things uh, and using people to loving people and using things. And it's taken a while and God's done some incredible work. But let me share this picture behind you. This is our, uh, I grew up on the farm, um, a, a country kid, born in South Australia and then moved up to Queensland because all great and big and wonderful things are happening in Queensland. And my parents were, were ambitious and big dreamers. They weren't churchgoers. I never went to church other than Christmas and Easter if it was a good year. And then, uh, uh, but they were, they were dreamers and they were workers and they were trying to make life happen. And as farmers do, they're just resilient and independent and, and they just have a they bite down and stuff and have a crack. So mum and dad moved to Gundawindi and that was our house out of Gundawindi. And there I lived in my formative years um, waiting for the big crop to come, um, which didn't come. Um, neither did the rain, uh, but the droughts certainly came and it was a, it was a tough old journey. And, um, but like all parents, we want more for our kids than we were able to have for ourselves, as our, my mum and dad did as well. So I don't know how they did it, but they, um, they came home one afternoon and go, you know, for high school, finished primary school, for high school, Brett, we want you to go to the big smoke. We want you to have opportunities that we didn't have. Uh, we want you to experience an education and to chart a different path. So here is a spread of brochures of types of schools that we go to. And I said, I want that one. Let me go to that one. And so here I am on my first day. Uh, this was me just walked out of the car, 12 years old. I was in 1983 and, um, and I was about to set up camp there at TSS as a boarder for the next five years of my life. Now, you can imagine uh, a country kid coming from um, the background that I had where we just didn't have much at all. And here I land at, at TSS in, in an opulent environment. I would go down onto the soccer ovals and look across to Paradise Waters and see these homes that you would only see in magazines uh, with 
big boats parked in front of them and there were helipads on two of the houses that I noticed. And so there were people who had their own private helicopter who would fly down and come home and then they would fly to Brisbane for work. And I'm thinking, how good's that? <laughs> Having a private helicopter to get to and from work. I reckon I could do that life. Um, and so here's these boats that were going past and I was noticing that the, uh, the kids getting picked up, the other, my other mates getting picked up in the school car park all had these BMWs and Mercedes and these beautiful cars. And oh my gosh, um, I want that life. Um, and so here's this stirring that sat inside of me and I was going, oh, man, I need to set some goals. Uh, I need to set some goals and, uh, and chase some things because it looks like a whole pile of happiness comes if you can get some things. Is, uh, is what I thought. So this next photo is a photograph of me at the age of 22. I bypassed university. I was in too much of a hurry to spend three to four years at study. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to go out and make a truck ton of money. I'm going to be retired and a millionaire by the time. Now, this is ambitious. You ready for this? I'm going to be, ti- I'm gonna be retired uh, and a millionaire by the time I'm 25. I had a dream board in my bedroom that had all the pictures of the cars, pictures of my house. I knew what car my wife was going to drive. I knew we were going to go on holidays. Uh, I knew what sort of pool we were going to have. I had it planned. It was beautiful. Uh, except um, I didn't really have a way to do it. Well, there, actually, there were two pathways that I chose because I didn't go to university. And so I thought, you know, do you know how you make money on the Gold Coast? Real estate. That's how you make money on the Gold Coast. So I thought, I'm going to follow my dad because by this stage they'd moved in from Gundawindi and where do people who don't have education but are great with people um, go to try and make money? They go into real estate. So dad the farmer got involved in real estate and I thought, I'm going to follow my dad and make my money out of real estate. So I got into real estate and it was interesting that the boss at the time uh, there said to me, he said, Brett, if you want to be successful in this real estate business, if you want to make lots of money, you just got to give your life to Jesus. I thought, okay, I'll be in for that. Like, if I can get a return on this thing called religion, I'm up for that for sure. So, uh, and interestingly, at the same time, I figured, well, I'm going to need a bit more than just one income. So I, there was, you know, network marketing was big in the 80s. People might remember that. So, you know, we, we were into the whole network marketing thing and, um, and, and I was going off to conferences and so forth and watching these people walk across stage uh, with these, these photos of where they've been and where they live and talking about the types of lives they have and that they're retired and they don't do this and I'm walking on the beaches and they're catching up. So, oh, I want that life. And then they were going, like, so we go away for the conferences and then on Sunday morning they go, oh, if you want to come to a church service, we have this special service on Sunday morning. I'm thinking, what do you want a church service for? We need to make money. So I go to the church service and they go, oh, we just love Jesus and if you want you to be successful in life, you've got to follow Jesus. And I'm thinking, okay, so the real estate people are saying got to follow Jesus. These network marketing people are saying follow Jesus. There's got to be money in this Jesus guy. <laughs> so off I went and I committed my life uh, to a very self interest-based idea of religion um, and, and pursued with great vigour this opportunity to be a millionaire by the time I was 25, only to discover that it didn't work. And so um, the dreams and the aspirations started falling apart. By this stage, I'd married Marianne. I had no money. Um, we needed to get a house. I didn't know how to do it. Uh, part real estate wasn't the pathway. The network marketing thing wasn't working at all. And I just needed to chart a different, a different path. So, you know, one pull of the thread. 
and my life was starting to come apart. Grand ambitions, big ideas, a pile of self-interest. I was going to make this vase big. I was going to get, actually, why not one vase? Let's get 20 vases. Like, let's, let's make this life count. Um, but except it all started to fall apart and it was all about self-interest and what I could get. By that stage, um, recognising we needed to chart a different path, I, was, I just want to shout out to my, my in-laws, Len and Helen Rosso, Marianne's parents, who grabbed me and shaped something in me and said, you know, there's more to life than just chasing money. Brett, there's a whole thing called the kingdom of God and I know you've got a sniff of this thing called religion, but that's not it. Um, let me show you what the kingdom of God is all about. So I sat with Len and Helen and learned by them and just mentored by them and was just blessed incredibly. But one of the things that I had to learn was, hang on, I might need some, might need some help, hang on. That was something I should have done before. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that Len was talking about is, you know, there's this thing if you want to follow, follow Jesus, it's about dying to self. Um, but I had grand plans. I, I knew what my life was going to be like. I knew what house I was going to live in. I, why, why would I die to all of that? I had my plans all sorted. And Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. As far as I was concerned, the will God had for my life was to make money and be successful. That was what I was pursuing. But I needed to be transformed. I needed to be renewed. I needed to think a different way of doing it. So there were some pathways, though, to renewal. You just can't change. You can't become go from there to, to there. So there are some roadblocks to renewal. And I found in my journey four of them. Self-interest, judgment, fear, and futility. So let me go through some of them. We've got self-interest. And this was the dying to self that, was really, really hard as I had to begin to pull off photos from my dream board and let go of ideas of grandeur and wealth and success and all of that sort of stuff. John 12, 24 says, Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. I had to go through the process of just dying and laying stuff down. Super, super challenging, super hard, but super important in terms of renewal to move away from the idea of self-interest, what's in it for me. And it was a move from loving things and using people because in the network marketing and real estate days, everybody was a prospect. Everybody was a piece to my wealth and well-being. 
So I was not able to see people for people, but looking at people for the possibility of how they can make my life better. And I think if we can't see people for people, there is no way that God's going to renew anything in us. How do we identify? How do we move past our own self-interest and move into actually loving people? Well, God had me on a journey and so did Len. Len then gave me a handful of books as he was nurturing me and laying a foundation about the kingdom of God. And there's a handful of books there. It's on a, on a slide, a couple up. There's a handful of books there that just really, really changed my world. One was a book by Dave Andrews called Not Religion But Love. If you're after some good books on missional thinking and the different ways to approach church life or your own faith, then these are some crackers in here. Brian McLaren wrote two that I read. One was called Everything Must Change and The um, a Secret Message of Jesus. There's other two others written that I've read since then. One was from Bob Goff called Love Does, incredible, um, An Irresistible Revolution by a guy called Shane Claiborne, which is incredible as well. The book on its, on its turn is a guy for um, Mike Frost and Alan Hirsch, two incredible authors. Um, that one book's called Read Jesus. So anything by them. Um, will radically change your life. And so I was reading these books and this stirring of the kingdom of God was just going nuts inside of me. And suddenly it was like everything started to make sense about this religion thing. Everything started to make sense of it's not just about what I can get or it's not just about turning up on Sundays and fulfilling some sort of religious chore, but actually there's something powerful in this. God came to change people. And to change the world. And pursuing him and becoming more like him is not becoming more religious. It's actually becoming a better human. And, and so as I was starting to read some of these stories and laying down my life and letting go of my own self-interest, things started to churn and change for me and opportunities started opening up. So I wasn't so much stuck in the church um, I, I ended up getting a contract working for an organisation called the Benevolent Society, which um, was based in Narang. It was a Sydney bunch that came up and picked up a contract to run what we call an early years centre. Now, an early years centre is not just early childhood. Early years centre was about working with families with children aged zero to eight to keep them out of the child safety system. So it was supposed to be a six-month contract for them, which turned into eight years. And I then, through that time, left working at the church and started working in Benevolent Society. And it was really challenging for me because I would go to church on a Sunday and hear about this kingdom of God and hear about how amazing the Lord is and the transformational power of Jesus and all of that sort of stuff. And then I'd get into the Benevolent Society work during the week and I would come face to face with people who were broken in places I, I, I had never seen before. Single mums trying to get their kids back out of child safety. You've got parents trying to deal with addiction issues. Kids that are just not thriving, that are verging on neglect, trying to be the best parents that they could. We had grandparents trying to raise their kids because their daughter and son were doing drugs and were just not fit to be parents. And these kids were just doing the best they could to grow up. And it was a side of life I hadn't seen before. I mean, you think of the private school boy, you know. I was, I was off to make a million bucks and, 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 and I didn't care about this stuff. They weren't going to make me any money. But as I started to walk beside them, 
It was something that God did in my heart. I could see people and I could see stories and I could see people behind those stories. And it was something about my heart that was just breaking um, and, and changing. And it was, um, it was an incredible time. The next, so moving past self-interest as a roadblock, the next roadblock I bumped into is, is judgment. And one of the places that I had to deal with for judgment was partly because I had a whole pile of, as a well-to-do private school kid, you can imagine that if people are on welfare or drug addictions or, or not doing very well at parenting, I mean, there's a whole pile of, you just get your life together, get a job, you know, just be a better parent. Um, why would you put your kids through that? Um, just sort your marriage out. Um, blah, blah, blah. Like judgment was big and arrogant and horrible. Um, inside of my heart and that had to change and it was only going to change as I got close to people and started walking beside people and heard and listened and got to understand people's stories. One of those stories which is incredibly profound for me was a a trip that I did up to Hopevale. Hopevale is an Indigenous community about an hour and a half north of Cairns and you know when I was living out at Gundawindi we had two Indigenous missions either side of Gundawindi and every second Thursday was welfare check day uh, and Gundawindi just uh, was the closest place to go shopping. So we had every second Wednesday, uh, Indigenous people would come in um, and spend their money and then go back out or we'd have Indigenous kids at our school and um, there was so much judgement. There was so much judgement. And even at school, um, you know, going to school with, with Indigenous kids, the way that I talked about them, the jokes that we had, I look back now and I'm thinking, you are just a racist pig, you know, honestly. It was just terrible. But it, it was this white privileged male thinking about how they should live their life and they, and it was this us and them thing. And it was, it's just horrible. But going to Hopevale and just meeting these kids... And sitting with people around a dinner table and having a conversation with them and learning more about their life and understanding how they and why they do life that way. Their values are just different. It's not better or worse. It's just different. I hadn't taken the time to listen before. Um, But, oh, my gosh, my heart was changed when I did and the judgment started to drop off. The other place that I went to as part of my work in the community is there was a homelessness or a, a kitchen in Narang. And I thought, you know what, God's just stirring something inside of me to be able to get beside people who are different and, and needing some help. So I volunteered to go and have lunch with people, homeless people in the community every Thursday. And I'd, I'd sit beside um, these uh, people who found themselves homeless and they smelled. It was really, really hard. And I found that really challenging for myself too because, I, like, what do you talk about? You, you take job relationship, house, recreation out of a conversation, what are you going to talk about? Because most of those things aren't relevant in their life. Um, and I had, to, I, I had to deal with that level of discomfort because that was my issue. It wasn't theirs. Um, a whole lot easier to stay separate and, and, you know, we don't have to deal with it. But I thought, no, I'm going to lean in here. So I took uh, one Thursday, I thought I've got to find a different way to relate and I took a pack of UNO you know cards and sat with, uh, with these guys over lunch just playing Uno. We, universal languages, games, hey. And so we were, we were just playing Uno and I got to hear their stories and their backgrounds and hear about their kids and what was going on in their families and some of the journeys 
of what led them to where they are. And my heart was just breaking. Um, if, if I had that life, I'd probably be where they are, you know. Um, and it just enabled me to have compassion as I learned to sit um, and listen, not through judgment, but understanding. And so we can look at our lives or look at this situation where we go, we need to bring renewal. Oh, you could judge the bejeebies out of that, that um, potting mix, you know. Oh, it's just it's too dark and it's just got too much rotten stuff in it and if it just fixed itself up and we put more sand, let's just pray for the, the thing to get, get better. You know, they just need to be better people and throw our judgment at this thing. It's not going to renew Zot. Not going to renew Zot. So getting to know that team of people was just in, incredible. And, you know, James 2, 1 to 4. Oh, come on now. James 2, 1 to 4 talks beautifully at this. It says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, And a poor man in filthy clothes, filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or just sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? There's a lot in James. If you want to sit with James, he gets right up close in your face actually. The other group of people that I got to work with as a result of being in the community, I got invited to be on the board of um, the Domestic Violence Prevention Centre. And um, I had lots of ideas about what DV was and who the the, the DV perpetrators were and the plight of people who found themselves experiencing DV. And over over that time on, on the board, I got an opportunity to become a facilitator in men's programs. And ended up running, working for them, ended up running the men's programs for DVPC for a number of years. And to be honest, it was an absolute privilege. It was an, a, a privilege. These were men who were mandated. Um, so they had to go uh, under the supervision of probation and parole to complete a 27-week program uh, as part of their probation and, and parole. And so part of the place of, of sitting with these guys was sitting with their stories and sitting with the fact that they were being told to do something. And so how do you invite people into a place of just considering or listening or thinking in that space was really challenging. And the other thing that happens when you take on men into a program like that is you get all of the paperwork that goes with them. So you get to read the stories of what they have done to their partners and their families and you also get to read stories of their own lives. And then you sit in a room with 16 of these men trying to hold the harm and the damage in one hand and trying to hold the reality of them as people in the other without judgment. How do you do that? Because if you, if you judge, you, you can't renew, you can't change anything. And the interesting thing with many of these men who were coming through is they were, they were subject to violence through their whole upbringing. Um, they they had, didn't know how to do relationships very well at all. They were doing the best they could. And, you know, we would say, oh, they should have just made a better choice. For many of these men, the choices we think they have, they don't have. Their options are like that. 
It's they're just trying to be the best dads, best partners, best husbands and fathers that they possibly can be, with the limited amount of ideas that they've they've got. How do we open that up? So he's to sit with this and sit with the harm and 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 so forth with these with these guys. And how how to hold the fact that as kids they were they were abused and 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 victims and did it really really tough and the system the world would hold them as victims of the system except they get to 12 and then they're 14 and they get to 16 and they get to 17 are still victims of the system, except now they're modelling a different type of behaviour. It's getting a bit tricky. Now they turn 18. Now they leave the system and enter into their own relationships as often broken men and women, trying to do the best that they can. But the game changes. The rules change. No longer do we as society see them as victims, as children subject to abuse in their upbringing. We now see them as perpetrators of violence. Now, I'm not condoning violence in any way, shape or form and that's a whole other conversation I'm not going to go there other than what I want to say is that if we can't love people well, if we only see people by their behaviour, if we judge people by that outward appearance, we miss the humanity that sits behind them. And so there were some difficult conversations in those DV rooms where you were copying some incredibly tough conversations from men who were coming out of prison and angry and angry and angry. But they weren't angry at me. They're just angry at life. Where else do we get an opportunity to sit and create spaces for people to be renewed rather than judged? Matthew 20, 29, 34 says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Now it's interesting, Jesus said, what do you want, us, what do you want me to do for you? How often do we go for a task, something that we wanted, it's got to get done? Is there something, is there a job I can complete? Is there something that I have to get done? Is there a project I can deliver on? What do you want me to do? But Jesus didn't stay with that. Verse 34 said, Jesus had compassion on them. It became more than a task, they became people. Through the compassion, touched their eyes and immediately they received sight. Here's another story in Mark 1.40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said, moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Father, I just pray that you just open our hearts and our minds to have compassion for people, to see people like you see people. Soften our hearts, open our eyes. Thank you, Father. Move with compassion. Here's this thing, you know, and, and I, was, I was challenged in this place, working benevolent society in the DV space, seeing this hurt and this pain, this harm. And there's this, there's this verse in, in um, James, James 1.27, which says, The religion that our God 
accepts as pure and faultless as this, is to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So this was the beginning of a big deconstruction thing for me because I would go to church on the weekend and hear about this incredible thing called the kingdom of God and how amazing the church is and the church can be transforming power and you give your life to Jesus and he can transform you and he can change and he just makes the old new and he can breathe life into dying bones and he can heal and he can do all of these incredible things. And then I'd get to work on a Monday through Friday and just see distress and harm and disappointment and disillusionment. I didn't see any of those people in church on a Sunday. Those two worlds didn't exist side by side. So my question was, where's the church? And I couldn't put these two pictures together. And in my, in my judgment even of the church, it caused me to just walk away. I thought, how can you preach one message on Sunday and not follow it through the week? How does that happen? when there's so, so much hurt and pain. And if, if the church can't make a difference for these people, who can? Because there's nothing else out there, I promise you. So much disillusionment and disappointment. And the thread got pulled again. There's a second pile of, of disorientation and disillusionment with the church. One of the things that I've learned about that, though, is that one of the things God said to me, years later, was, Brett, you were the church. You were the church in those places. Like, don't expect the corporate body to step in with some type of program or some type of formal structure or some type of, you know, campaign to make a difference. I have placed you in those places. I have put you in front of people and in groups and in workplaces and in teams to be able to be something different to be able to be a taster of the kingdom of God. For people to be able to see and experience something they haven't experienced before. That's the church. And I think we're all called into being that. We don't have to wait for new life or the church to come up with some program to make a change. We don't have to wait for new life to bring renewal, however that's going to happen in and through the Uniting Church. Renewal will come when we are renewed in how we see ourselves and how we step into the opportunities that are around about us each and every day. Are we carrying the kingdom of God in our conversations? Are we being proactive in what we deliver and represent or are we responding to what's happening? It's an interesting thing for for me is this is where I bumped into. So I was, I'd given up on church by this stage and I was out in the, still working with Benevolence Society, but I kept bumping into this, this organisation called New Life Care. Um, and it was a bit of an anomaly for me because I'd written church off, except these buggers from New Life Care kept on doing good things in the community. <laughs> and so I'd go to a social service and there was these red bags with food in it with New Life Care on the side. I'm thinking, oh, Really? These Christians are doing something. Um, uh, and so I was sort of convicted by, you know, we can, the church can do it. We can make a difference. And here's this body of people that were, were, were mobilising and, and doing something. Um, a game changer for me, and I need to have a big shout out to, to these people because these two people were instrumental in me finding my way back to church. Because it's not just that 
what we do and how we present Jesus where we are and in our workplaces for non-Christians. It can also be for disillusioned Christians as well. Um, For me, as a broken, disillusioned Christian, I was part of Benevolent Society and we got this phone call and somebody said, hey, there's these two people that have got this idea and they want to put together these things called baby boxes. Um, And baby boxes were just a a box of items and in there were were nappies and wipes and some uh, cleaning and powder and um, just stuff to bless mums um, for newborns, uh, for for mums that were really doing it tough. And I thought, oh, that's pretty awesome. I reckon that's cool. So I gave them a call and they were talking about, oh, we've got boy baby boxes and we've got girl baby boxes. They're pink and they're blue and how many do you want? And I thought, oh, let's let's go for 20. Yeah, we'll drop them off. So they dropped them off. Anyway, these things came through the office and I kept telling people in the staff meetings, you know, about um, these things called baby boxes. And they go, who's doing this? They go, oh, there's this um, this group called New Life um, that are putting these baby boxes together. I'm like, oh, really? Um, And and so then I met them and it was, you know, hats go off to Lynn and Stan Sheldon um, for for what you did to me. Um, You shared, you brought something um, to a heart that had no hope. Um, and you demonstrated through the love of Christ that Jesus can make make a difference. And so that touched my life and it also touched the hearts of many people who are recipients of those baby boxes. And that was just a couple of people and maybe a small group as well that said prayerfully, what, what can we do in our community? Um, well, what have we got in our hands? What have we got in our heads? What have we got in our hearts? Maybe we start there. Um, who's got an idea? Well, let's do this. Uh, so often I think in church we wait for permission um, or we wait for a program. Uh, and, and I think what God's calling us to do is just to be responsive and, and engaging and find a need and fill it and step in there um, and, and be part of the change. You know, I, I, God's, again, he's hilarious how it all happens. But here I land myself now back in, in New Life Care um, to be part of the, the very organisation that helped change my life, but at, um, part of what we do is empower local people to bring local good. So if there are people in and through New Life that have got ideas, it doesn't have to fit with a New Life Care program. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be the princess for a day, although that's awesome. Um, the op shop, we've got some great programs in the Christmas hamper, but you might have something else. You will be mixing with a different group of people. My hope with New Life Care is that we can start to mobilise and activate people to be able to respond to the heart of what's going on inside of them and be able to put some resources beside you and pack people. The congregation is big enough that as we have one conversation, and we're doing it now with housing, uh, one conversation with housing, and then I chat with some other people and go, we really want to do some stuff with housing. And then I chat with someone else, we want to do some stuff with housing. Well, let's pull a team together and see what God does. Um, We don't have to wait for a housing program to be announced from here. The power comes from the people. You know, I think there's this disconnect between what happens on the platform and what happens from the people. At the end of today, you guys are going to leave this room and go back to your mission fields and you'll be carrying something of the heart of God and you'll be walking into your homes and in your places and your workplaces and your families and all sorts of stuff. You'll be carrying something and saying something and people will see something in you that's going to bring renewal and it's got nothing to do with what the program is that we do up here, other than hopefully we can inspire you to live a life that's become more like Jesus. And that's the opportunity to engage and step into the mission and the call. The other one is, uh, the other barrier is fear. Now, in a way, fear was, it was big for me in the DV space. Fear was big in the homeless space because I didn't know whether I, I, I didn't know if I could do it. 
Um, I didn't know if I'd make a mistake, but I'd make things worse. Um, I, I, was, I was afraid uh, of, of myself. I was afraid of all sorts of things. The other thing, though, is that you know, we're living in a... Uh, someone made this comment the other day and I thought it was spot on. Um, I upgraded my phone the other day and we got this new, new camp... New, um, uh, uh, subscription that's collected a whole pile of things, which now means, get this, I'm now an Apple News subscriber. Yeah. I know, it's huge. My favourite app before then was News, but I only got little snippets of it. Now I get lots of it. And I can read articles left, right and sideways what's happening on the news. And But it's like war, disaster, earthquake, uh, catastrophe, assassinations, political Mess. It's all going on. And, and in a way, it's like you, you would get so amygdala driven. Now, if you don't know what amygdala is, it's part of the brain that, that drives this fight, flight, fright. It's this thing. It's, it's a protective mechanism that sits in the back of our brain. It's a little thing like that. And the rest of our brain sits around the, uh, the outside of it. When the amygdala is triggered, the blood to the prefrontal cortex is cut off. The prefrontal cortex is where we think. That's the processing bit. So if we live in a world where it's all about risk and fear, we're not actually thinking and processing. We're all about self-interest at that point. We miss people. We miss opportunities. We miss the, the, the need to be able to step in close to people. So now let's get past the, the amygdala stuff. But in terms of fear, here's a really – I just want to read this one out. Oh, gosh. <coughs> No, I don't. I'm going to keep on going. <laughs> Let me cover this point really, really quickly. The last barrier to, um, to renewal is futility. And one of the things that can happen with futility is that we don't start something because we think it's not going to really make a difference or it's just going to be me. Um, and so I think we brought into this Christian idea of we're going to change the world. Um, but if we can't change the world, well, then we'll change nothing because it's all too hard. Or, um, you know, if I can't make a big difference, then I'm not going to make any difference at all. If, if I can't see how I can renew what's in that vase, then well, what's the point? It's just too hard. I mean, that's been there for a long time. It's only ever going to be like that. Um, you know, maybe somebody else can come along and do it or we can set up a, something or other to fix it. But I, I think what God calls us into is obedience not to come up and solve the problems but what is it that we carry and how can we make a difference in the environments that we're in I think one of the ways that we do it is that we can be these people and we can say okay we'll get involved let's get into our into our uh, into our workplace but the problem is is that we start to think oh it smells a bit in there like that's a bit bit hard I really can't see if I'm making it well you need more people in here to make a make a difference I don't know if it's going to change anything this is futile it's a waste of time and I'm sick of people coming up and making my workplace really difficult maybe I need to find another place to work I actually think there's another way to do it inside of us are rivers of living water And if we are obedient to what God has for us and if we go into the places that we are called to go and our task is, water will start saying, I'm sure. Oh, there we go. We're off. And all we do, 
not out of self-interest, not afraid. Love casts out all fear. And we just keep pouring out the love of God. Can we back it off just a little bit, please, Keon? <laughs> Mate, God's all over this one. Oh, my gosh. How good's that? We're making a, a difference. So we go into our workplaces. We go into our lives, into our weeks. Not about how do we change people, how do we convert people, but how do we just love people? How, how do we go into a place full of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We've got word, we've got deed, and we've got spirit. How do we bless people where we are with love and joy and patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control? In our homes, are we creating cultures that represent Jesus? In our workplaces, are they different because we're in them? Are we more concerned about what's happening to us or just focusing on what's coming through us? I just encourage you, you leave this here for long enough and that water will go clear. It's not our job to change the world. It's our job to change ourselves and let God change the world through us. That is our responsibility. That is our responsibility. So I want to encourage you as you leave today, please think of yourself as a hose of living water. That wherever you go, you have the opportunity to not react to what's happening around you, but proactively change and challenge the culture in which you walk into. All of us, you know, think of, of, of going to the movies and you can read a little bit of an excerpt of a movie and wonder how exciting that would be to go to that movie. But there's something about a trailer. Don't you think? You watch a trailer and you go, oh, you know, you go to the movies and at the beginning all these trailers are going on and you turn to the partner next to you and you go, I want to watch that. That's incredible. What sort of trailers are we creating in how we live our lives during the week? Are people looking at our lives and inspired and challenged and, and, and encouraged by how we live our life? Or they look at our life and go, meh. Can we be a body of people that deliver trailers into the world this week when people look at us? And it's not easy. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. That's what the journeying with Jesus is all about. But we stay long enough immersed in Him, in the places that we are bringing transformation and our communities will be renewed, will be renewed. God invites you into that journey. Thank you so much, Justine. That's awesome. If, if you're frustrated and disillusioned with church, your invitation is to participate and to get involved. If you're new um, and you're not too sure what is much about this whole Christian thing, my hope is, is that that's inspired you in some way, shape or form for you to go, I can be part of this. I can be part of making a difference. And if you're after a new lease on life, really, where you're, just, where you're here and you're waiting for something to happen, if not you, who? 
If not now, then when? You have permission. You are called. Go into the world. Love people. Bless people. Make a difference. And may the world be a better place as a result. Father God, we thank You for Your love. I thank You for the Holy Spirit. I thank You for Your Son, Jesus, who just continues to demonstrate a better way to live. In this life, in this world, where things seem so hopeless and disillusioned, Father, You have sent Your Son and Your Kingdom that we can live a different way. If you're after... uh, Father, just bless us this week as we go out. Empower us, inspire us, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you're after prayer at the end and you want to come on up, happy to have that that chat. If you want to connect with New Life Care, happy to do that. Um, But just love up on people. They're worth it. Bless you. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.